everybody. You're listening to the Digital Adoption Show by Watfix, which is a digital adoption solution for any application on the web. This podcast here is your go-to show for a 360-degree view of digital adoption, learning, and training initiatives in companies across the globe. Across this season of the podcast, you will be hearing from our thought leaders, senior professionals from L&D, HR, and employee experience to discuss the hot trending and on-demand topics right now. I'm your host, Gokul Suresh, and I'm the marketing manager at Watfix. And it's my pleasure today to welcome our guest, Stephen Rathmorgan, former head of global learning and development at Xerox. A bit more about Stephen. He's a learning and development leader with many years of experience and has been a pivotal part of the dynamism in L&D at Xerox. He has worked in a number of roles in his career, starting as the manager of worldwide training and information development, and then leading multiple initiatives at Xerox as the director of corporate human resources, global marketing, then as a head of global learning innovation, and most recently, the head of global learning and development. From what I hear, Stephen is also a big aficionado of uh, interactive learning with AI, VR, and AR. And previously, he's also led transformation from an instructor-centric train-the-trainer model to award-winning interactive media and remote delivery. I'm sure uh, there are some great topics to talk today, Stephen. So welcome to the show, Stephen, and uh, I'm really thrilled to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephen Rathmorgan, based here in the amazing Washington, D.C. metro area. Uh, I've been with corporate learning and development in that space for about 20 years, most recently as uh, head of global L&D for Xerox Corporation. Fantastic. Stephen, uh, thanks for the intro. And, um, you know, so I'll just start with my questions here. Uh, so you've been at the forefront at the L&D revolution and uh, you've had a brilliant track record. In fact, uh, your time with Xerox speaks for itself. I mean, 20 years. Well, that's that's amazing. And uh, you know, the way you started as a manager and your journey all the way through to being the head of global l and I mean, that's truly inspiring, Stephen. So here's my question. What, what was the drive that kept you going and how has the journey been so far? Yeah, so throughout my career, I've kept a major focus on innovation and leveraging technology to transform the learning and development process and practice. However, the word transformation isn't quite right to describe what's going on in the L&D space. Uh It isn't a L&D revolution either. It's more like a relentless evolution at a rapidly accelerating pace. So driving this ongoing evolution of learning and performance support is what's so interesting and inspiring about the L&D journey. Because first, we all know that working within an L&D, it's critical to understand the needs of the business you're supporting to make sure that learning is aligned with the evolving needs of the business, aligned to the expectations of senior business leaders, Mm -hmm. calibrated with stakeholders, but also attractive to learners in terms of bringing real value to their professional and personal lives. So with that as a foundation where learning is aligned to the business, it's been really amazing to watch and participate in the accelerating technology that we're using in the learning space. It's really the digital transformation of L&D itself, particularly in support of businesses that are going through digital transformations simultaneously. And I think we're all seeing here, modern L&D organizations are entering a new age for supporting a digital workforce transformation. If you think back, it wasn't all that long ago that we were transitioning from doing training face-to-face in a classroom and moving that onto VHS tapes and printed workbooks. And at the time, this was a revolution to go from instructor-centric C 
asynchronous delivery of learning to self-directed asynchronous, but still an analog delivery on VHS tape and the printed page. And then very quickly, we started delivering learning content using web tools like Flash <laughs> to create interactive multimedia training that was delivered on CD-ROMs and then had static multiple guess assessments in an online testing center. Again, all of this was revolutionary not that long ago, but completely antiquated to today. So when we compare that to the cognitive e-learning platforms in use today, like Amplifier, that leverage brain science to help our people learn faster and retain knowledge better, we've really made some amazing strides in a very short period of time. And going forward as well, progressive L&D organizations are using virtual reality, not just like a solo video game, but where learners are collaborating in a virtual space and interacting with virtual products in a real-time environment with colleagues around the world that are peering over their shoulder within that virtual environment. And then more broadly, as an industry, we're just getting started with the possibilities for AI, artificial intelligence, for chatbots, and the digital assistants that will again transform and help evolve our notion of performance support and real-time access to information where we have content in context. And that's going to ever forever change how we think about learning. And everyone knows it's not just about what you know, but knowing how to gain access to the insights you need and then have the new skills to apply that information at point of need. So to fuel all of this, we have to also talk about learning analytics in a corporate L&D space. But let's think about it as big data and a big data approach where this can involve bringing together learning data like you might find in a learning management system, such as learning completions and activity, and bringing that alongside HR people data, such as tenure or reporting relationships and geographic location of your workforce, and then marrying that with business performance data, such as the output of performance reviews. And then not to scrutinize individuals, but to look at the total workforce population to understand where do our learning interventions move the needle for improving performance and business results. So supported with those insights, we're really getting to the point where we can start to truly integrate learning with work because we're rapidly expanding our foundation for these data-driven decisions that drive business outcomes. And this is what's inspiring, to stop and ponder what is learning going to be like 20 years from now? How will our concept of knowledge, skills, and abilities evolve when each of us in the workforce has a digital assistant chatting away in our ear and while we're looking through the lens of an augmented reality? <laughs> right. I mean, Stephen, that, that was fantastic. And, uh, you know, I truly enjoyed that whole relentless evolution of LED all the way from VHS to AI. And uh, I mean, I just love the way you just covered the last few decades of LD and uh, put the perspective for the next few. Right. Thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, that brings me to the next question. I mean, you talked about uh, the things that we get inspired from, but uh, then we also need to talk about the challenges and the mistakes that you learned from. Uh, what were those top, let's say, top three challenges that you faced and uh, resolved in your career so far? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about people, process and technology in this context of a digital learning transformation and adoption and those opportunities associated with each of them. First, in terms of the people, at the end of the day, this is really all about the learners and is L&D really supporting their needs? That said, however, there's gonna to continue to be learners and stakeholders 
who have preconceived notions about where and how learning should take place. And I think a lot of L&D orgs often have stakeholders who believe, you know, whatever the business problem is, the best answer is to pull people together into a physical classroom. And certainly there are times when that is the case, but there are also times when it's not the best approach to round people up in a classroom. But in the end, people have their preferences for whatever approach to learning is most familiar to them. And we have to face it, there's been hundreds, arguably thousands of years of reinforcement about the learning process occurring face-to-face, -face, occurring in a classroom. So it becomes all about driving an agenda for adoption and change management when introducing these new learning technologies and associated technology-driven processes. So second, let's talk about process, the learning process. How do people learn, right? What learning and knowledge sharing processes should L&Ds actually be responsible for? You know, traditionally it's been formal programs, but increasingly that's alongside informal learning, but also building that process and practice for user-generated content and peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing where the content isn't coming from L&D, it's coming from your learners, from your people. But in many conversations about using a video-based knowledge sharing platform, this idea where anyone can upload their own content to share on a global enterprise scale, you always get people that are asking about how to ensure the accuracy of that information. You know, how do you know that what people upload and share is both accurate and also useful? Well, in fact, it's in that sort of crowdsourcing environment. You know, what better way is there to ensure the content is accurate and useful and timely? where people have a chance to react to the content they see if there's an inaccuracy, and where the cream rises to the top based on the utilization by those people close to the work rather than some learning assignment done by L&D in a more traditional LMS-based learning process. So this is just one example where the learning process is evolving, where the learners are becoming active fact-checkers fact and part of this global asynchronous dialogue rather than just passive consumers of learning content that's spewed out by L&D. So the platform for this, if you think third about technology, people, process, and technology, the challenge there is oftentimes keeping pace, right? Aligning the expectations about tools that people have in place in their personal lives, and then aligning that to what's available at work. And it's a constant chase for L&Ds, but also it feels like somehow the, that gap is closing in the digital divide and in digital transformation. So in short, you know, you have to have an L&D strategy for alignment around the people, the process, and technology, keeping that as a constant focus and working through all of these types of challenges. Stephen, uh, you know, your points reminded me of uh, one of the most popular infographics uh, created by uh, Burson by Deloitte uh, in the recent times. I think it's been a couple of years, but it's still pretty famous. It's called the Meet, uh, Meet the Modern Learner. Um, listeners, you guys should definitely check this out. Uh, it's called Meet the Modern Learner if you haven't. Uh, seen it yet um, and one thing that hi it highlights is that uh, the struggle at the center of modern L&D is not about getting people to train I mean it's as Steven said uh, you need to give them effective learning solution that cut through the noise right and uh, you know that actually boils down to the next question that I have and uh, I'm very much interested in knowing your thoughts on this so our, our podcast is centered around digital adoption and transformation and uh, talking to an L&D leader like you is never complete uh, without your ideas on digital transformation and adoption. So what were your experiments with uh, transforming the traditional L&D practices and uh, your ideas on digital adoption practices that work? Sure. So let's use an example. 
imagine a learning offering where you typically have people travel into a physical classroom and a computer lab environment for software and technical solution training. Uh, this is where learners would sit around a PC to learn software and how to use it to control a large electromechanical device in the controller there. And then you have an instructor that guides each person uh, through their exercises, and then the learners can interact with each other to ask questions back and forth. So to transform this type of learning experience, my team over at Xerox had built a virtual hands-on lab environment. Uh, an interesting oxymoron, virtual hands-on lab. But the idea here is building a remote lab for learning about software that's very hands-on, regardless of where you sit. It's a way to move away from the classroom by using a VMware-based hybrid cloud environment where, log, where learners log in remotely to, uh, the, to access the software and to tunnel in through the firewall to these device controllers. But then there's an instructor who has you know, six different monitors to watch all of the different learners completing their exercises, interacting with them, interacting with each other. It's a fantastic way to learn remotely. And initially, people have you know, nerves about this. So we've had to have people try it out. And it turns out people love it, in part because it had so much flexibility. So while it's great to be able to complete your learning activities <laughs> wearing your fuzzy slippers from home, it's the ability to go back and review and practice in a live environment when you need it at point of need. It's another way to integrate learning with work versus pulling people out of work sending them off to a classroom for a specific duration of time than putting them back in. This is more agile in terms of supporting the ongoing needs of the learners of the workforce. Definitely, Stephen. I'm, I love the idea of virtual hands-on labs. In fact, uh, this is something that we preach with Wattfix as well. So we love learning by doing, and it's uh, really super effective. And it makes complete sense since training is now given on complicated applications and uh, you don't see those applications becoming any simpler. I mean, especially because of the sophistication. So, you know, when the going goes tough, uh, you definitely need to get, uh, you know, some, some ways to get the tough, get, uh, tough going, right? Uh, love the idea, Steven. <laughs> and uh, in our previous conversation, right before the podcast, and you had mentioned the few specific interest areas that you had. Uh, I'd, I'd actually love a little bit more thoughts on them and uh, your ideas on them. So the first one there was integrating uh, learning in the workflow of employees. What about that? Yeah, absolutely. So integrating learning with work is key. I, I think we're establishing here and we know that online learning is fundamentally changing. You know, it's increasingly about engagement and relevant, timely learning. And with most e-learning, uh, especially, you know, in the days of 20, 30, 40-minute learning modules, it's very hard to keep people focused. So some have been reacting to this, I think, by creating more micro-learning content uh, where learning is point of need and people are trying to answer a question or solve a business problem. So they're going off and locating and then applying that content they need about uh, the, in the context of the real work. Um, this is critical. This is an ongoing change and one example of trying to do that transition for integrating learning into the flow of employees, into the work that they're doing. And as one example as well, tools like WhatFix can then embed contextual help and provide that personalized experience that's really changing how we think about learning at point of need and integrating learning with work. Yeah, makes complete sense, uh, uh, Stephen. And, uh, you know, the second topic was uh, 
I believe enabling employees for UGC that is uh, user generated content and to make it self-serving. What about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea here is that for fostering the creation of user generated content, I believe that L and D should be responsible for building that scaffolding, building that framework that allows peer to peer knowledge sharing, providing the tools and the process, and then turning the content generation over to your learners. So putting in something like a video-based platform for user-generated content that provides that knowledge sharing capability, you can create a dialogue. And you know, in, in past experience, we've done work to show that information on a global scale, share it on a global scale, and allow people to take a leadership role in their own professional development and in sharing that with the colleagues of others. And really, I think this is the kind of work that L&D should be doing to help support digital adoption transformation. It's not just about the content coming from L&D, it's about L&D enabling that to occur uh, naturally and organically through the workforce. This isn't a creative and new idea, it's just that we're continuing to evolve that capability through the new technologies that we're implementing. Definitely makes a lot of sense because, uh, so I've been dabbling with uh, a lot of UGC as well. So uh, there have been a lot of forums with all enterprise applications and uh, I believe even Xerox have, uh, has a forum. Uh, so we've been active on, let's say, Salesforce forum, and uh, you know it's it's a huge community, and there's a lot of content which is generated by the Salesforce ecosystem itself, and you know it just keeps on growing, and it helps a lot of people learn and train themselves, and yeah, I mean that's just fantastic in the end, right? So um, yeah, we are we are almost at the end of this episode of uh, the digital adoption show, and uh, I wanted to end it on an exciting note. So uh, we are going to have rapid fire round, uh, Stephen. Um, I want you to pour out the first idea that comes into your mind about uh, the next questions that I have for you. All good? Sure, let's do it. Okay, uh, here goes. Uh, so what is the one book or blog that you would recommend to all the listeners of this podcast? Uh, there's a great book I've been reading called The Art of Possibility, which is all about transforming professional and personal life. It's by Rosamund and Benjamin Alexander. Uh, excuse me, Benjamin Zander. If I can borrow a little bit from the book itself to explain, it's sort of a how-to book, but it's unusual in that, you know, how-to books typically offer strategies on how to overcome hurdles in a competitive role and move ahead, where the objective of this book is to look at, you know, a means to lift up from the world of struggle and sail into a universe of possibility going forward. It's actually a very inspiring book. Perfect. I mean, it sounds really interesting. I'm just going to add that to my wish list as well. <laughs> right. And the second question. So, uh, Steven, you're an influencer and I'm sure there are many influencers that you're inspired by as well. Uh, who would be on top of that list? Sure. So key influences. You've mentioned Burson already. You know, and there are some very obvious influences uh -huh. in the learning space who learning professionals would often recognize like Josh Burson. Um, in conversation with Josh, watching him speak, and based on you know, following him on Twitter and LinkedIn, I honestly can't think of any observations he's made that I would disagree with. And that's both reassuring and also a little scary. It almost okay. seems like his comments are almost, yeah, they're right on point and timely for me. Um, he's on the pulse of things, so I follow him very closely. Um, also, many people know Elliot Macy, who really likes mm -hmm. to mix it up. I've always had an appreciation for Elliot's ability to ask good questions and tease out really good insights from uh, learning thought leaders. Uh, in the practice of learning, I've had a lot of respect for Kimo Kippen as a thought leader and really as a human being. 
Uh, Kimo is the former chief learning officer for Hilton and has since founded Aloha Learning Advisors. And finally, I can't miss this opportunity, my friend, to highlight two key influences for me, former managers that I've reported to over the years who've had such a positive impact, um, both John Lutner and Joanne Halley. Uh, these are two uh, wonderful learning leaders that I'm always going to have on speed dial. Yeah, I'm sure uh, they would really appreciate that uh, shout out uh, on this podcast. And thanks, Stephen. That is more than what I asked for. Uh, I'm sure uh, for the listeners, I'll definitely highlight all the influencers uh, that Stephen just mentioned in the blog, pa- uh, blog post, which comes right after the podcast. Right. And uh, uh, then the third question. So what is that one word or phrase that comes to your mind uh, when you say digital transformation and adoption? <laughs> My friend, how about deliciously painful (laughs) (laughs) that's just perfect (laughs) i totally agree (laughs) right i mean this is why we need experts like you uh, on a digital adoption show and uh, you know with with all the wisdom that you shared today and uh, with more episodes to come i'm I'm pretty excited about that and i'm sure we'll help all the listeners tackle this deliciously painful issue head on excellent yeah, so uh, now time for the goodbyes, right? So thanks for joining us on the podcast, Stephen. It, it has been, you know, spectacular. And, uh, you know, it was a great pleasure as well. Um, anything to add? No, I just want to say thanks for having me on. This is really an exciting time for L&D. Um, I look forward to what the next 20 years is going to look like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is definitely exciting and, uh, you know, lot of new strides there <laughs> right and uh, so Stephen if you have any questions uh, if the listeners have any questions uh, I'm sure they should be able to reach out to you so uh, you know would you mind sharing your uh, details with them yeah sure you can find me on LinkedIn Stephen Rath Morgan or S Rath M-O-R perfect right so also uh, if you guys are looking for a tool to streamline your digital adoption then uh, do check out whatfix.com that is w-h-a-t-f-i-x.com and uh, we have something really interesting for you. So s- stay tuned to the Digital Adoption Show for more great content and some incredible speakers. So that's Gokul and Steven signing off for the day. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you.